All righty. Well, good morning, Olivia. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Morning. <laughs> good to be here. As we uh, talked about recently, um, 615 Innovations is celebrating International Women's Day uh, this coming Wednesday on March 8th by doing an International Women's Week campaign. And so we're reaching out to a couple of our entrepreneurial friends in the area, and you are one that we really wanted to highlight. So thanks for coming on. <laughs> um, Thank so you so much. About, yeah. So as we talked about, really want this to just be conversational and we'll spend about 20, 30 minutes just kind of chit-chatting and have some questions for you. So uh, let's just kick it off. You are a Nashville native, which we obviously now call unicorns, <laughs> uh, went to yes. Vanderbilt. Um, but before we get into, you know, getting into the real specifics of what you do, why don't you start with what makes you excited to get up every day? I think the word that comes to mind is transformation. So when I get to work with my clients or give a talk, it is typically on the topic of transformation and understanding who we are and how that affects how we operate in our personal lives and also our business lives and how who we are really affects everything we do. And so helping business owners and individuals really come to a place where, of understanding of, of who they are and how that's affecting their, their life. Yeah. is my starting point with my clients. And it really creates a lot of excitement and opportunity for change. Yeah, I love that. So how did you get passionate about that transformation? What inspired you to start helping people really understand and identify who they are personally, I guess, and as well professionally, because I think that's something that a lot of us don't take time to really do. Um, and it is so important. So curious how you got into that. So. I was seeing a pattern with business owners of sort of frenetic, you know, activity. They've been in business a while. Things are not working as well as they want them to in their companies or their lot or and it's affecting their personal lives. And when you start really digging in to try and pinpoint a good starting point for working with someone, it became glaringly obvious to me that through all this frantic life that we live, we've lose track mm -hmm. of the basics. And the very primary, most basic thing is who are we? Where are we trying to go? What is it that we really care about? What are our goals and how are we going to get there? And through all of the, you know, craziness of, of life and business life and trying to build a company, people lose sight of the basics. Yeah. The building basics of their company the building basics of where they're trying to go. Mm -hmm. And that really all starts with who the business owner is and what they're trying to achieve. And they lose sight of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many ways I could take that. Um, and I know that I think I saw it on your Instagram or your website that the first step to success, whether that's personally or professionally, really starts from the inside out. So it sounds yes. like that's what you're helping people do is really identify that foundation, the back to basics, uh, which I, with our clients at 6 and 5 Innovations, we actually kick off all of our engagements with a back to basics workshop. So uh, love to hear that. Um, so it, 
you have had a bunch of experience in starting your own businesses and being an entrepreneur. And so it sounds like maybe that could have been, you know, what inspired you to then start helping others. So if you want to talk a little bit about your background with what businesses you had and maybe where you got stuck and felt like you needed that back to basics. Yes, that is that is very true. Some days I feel like I'm coaching myself 20 years ago when, yeah. <laughs> when I work with my clients. Well, so uh, we can tell our clients certain things and like, you know, the simple things of like, here's what you should do and here's a mission statement, but we don't do it for ourselves. So you're right. We right. are also reminding ourselves when we go through coaching yes. what some of those things look like. <laughs> Yeah, my favorite clients are the ones that listen. <laughs> I was never yeah. one of those. Didn't listen. I just pulled through and did it myself. So, yeah, exactly. so, um, so I built a um, seven-figure manufacturing and wholesaling distribution company from basically my garage uh, off of a, an idea for a product I had that just happened to take off. And um, so from that, I had left my nursing career and become a stay-at-home mom. And I, you know, had the idea I was sort of going stir crazy at home and had never not worked. And so I started a business at home and that led to a product idea, which then led to, you know, um, realizing that I'd landed on a successful idea. And at that point, honestly, I had no idea what I was doing. My background was nursing. I never had had any courses in business, had no knowledge of how to run a business. So I literally every day was, you know, on the job learning, just gutting it out, making the best decisions I could. I had no coaching, no help, anything, just did it myself. Maybe I hired my first employee a year and a half or two years in. So, you know, you wear all hats, do everything yourself. Somehow (laughs) for the next 15 years, I managed to build it up to a, um, seven figure business. And um, so obviously a lot of my lessons and my inspiration comes from all the mistakes I made and, um, you know, learning the hard way. So what inspires me now is to look into the face of a business owner who's sort of in that growth phase, their sales are good, but everything's starting to fall apart because the way they operate now needs to be different than the way they operated three years ago because things have changed and grown. And so to be able to look at them and know that I've walked in those shoes, I've cried those tears, I've been up all night, Mm -hmm. all of the things they're going through, I can look at them and say, here's the deal. Yeah. And we can be real honest because as a business owner, you really don't have anybody to talk to. I mean, who are you going to tell all this? You can't tell your employees, your spouse really doesn't get it. So you're really on what I call business owners island. You are swimming upstream alone. Yeah, And you don't really let the secrets out because you're presenting yourself to the world as this, you know, yeah. perfectly together entrepreneur and in the background, you're falling apart. Right. So that's just the truth. I mean, people can either admit it or not. That's what's happening. If you're really growing and things are happening, that's what's happening to you. And you're trying to figure out a way out. How do I do this differently? And yeah. so I'm able because of what I've gone through to now help the next person not have to fight all of those battles alone. Sometimes yeah. the mistakes are the best things that happen to you because that's where you learn. Exactly. But the biggies you really like to help people not have to go through. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that's so that's that's the inspiration is um, building that company and then 
uh, a second company that I started was actually a nonprofit, which was a completely different experience. Nonprofit is very different than for-profit. So um, that, that was also a new journey. Again, somehow sticking myself into an area that I knew nothing about and deciding I was going to do it. And this time built a team. So I had a team come alongside me, team of women that helped me, um, which was great. Instead of having to do everything myself, we had a team of people, which was a new experience for me. Um, but we, you know, because I imagine, so when you hired the team, you're excited, especially second time around knowing like, okay, I know where to start with a team. I know when to start hiring that team. Was it hard for you though, to start delegating? Early on? Well, let me, it actually wasn't hiring. This was it, because it was a nonprofit. This was all a group of volunteers that I formed. So it was okay. a team of women who volunteered, you know, to come alongside and help, you know, from, from germination of the idea to actually opening the doors to the nonprofit. It was about a two-year process. So the six of us worked together mm-hmm. through that process, through those two years to, to wow. see it to fruition and have the doors open and the rest yeah. is history. So um, and then I ran that nonprofit, was the executive director for about a year um, before I stepped away from that. And so it was just an incredibly rewarding, um, totally different experience than starting a for-profit company. Well, I would love to hear more about, I mean, I'm familiar with what your nonprofit is and admire you so much for starting that. So I think that's something that we'd really like to share with others who don't know you. So if you could talk a little bit about what that business or nonprofit was. Sure. So I, um, in 2014, began volunteering at the Tennessee Prison for Women. Uh, just because I wanted to give back in some way. And so through that volunteer program, um, you were paired one-on-one with an inmate and you taught them a course, an eight-week course on decision-making. So I would go to the prison once a week for eight weeks and meet with my inmate partner. And we would uh, work on, or, you know, work through this decision-making course. And it was through that experience. I did, I think, three rounds of that. So it was the third person I was paired with who, pretty much changed my life. She was a uh, young woman from a very small town in Tennessee. She was sexually abused as a child, had a horrible backstory. She ends up on the streets at age 13, fending for herself. And so she turned to selling drugs because that was the way she could make money to support herself. So years go by that lands her in prison. And um, so at the point where I met her, she had been in prison for a couple of years and was getting ready to get out. And wanted to start her life over in yeah. Nashville. She yeah. didn't want to go back to her small town. She wanted to start over here. And so, you know, of course, my head starts spinning. I'm like, okay, how does a woman who knows no one here, who has no money, no real family resources that are going to help her, how does she walk out of the doors of prison and start over? I, I, I was just blown away by the thought of that. And so behind the scenes, I started working on just trying to make phone calls to figure out what were the resources in Nashville for someone with no money, you know, right. who's wanting to start over. Right. So long story short, I felt a tapping on my shoulder that I was supposed to be part of this solution. And of course, I was still working 60, 70 hour weeks. I'm like, come on, I can't. Why am I feeling this tapping? Please don't tap me on the shoulder. Long story. <laughs> I said, OK, OK, I'm I'm going to listen. So I formed this group of women to come alongside me. I said, I'm really not sure what we're doing. It's going to be to help women who 
have no financial resources, who are in recovery from alcohol and drug addiction, start their lives over. That's really all I know. Mm-hmm. So as the months roll on and we're researching and talking to all the local um, treatment centers around town, trying to figure out where the gaps are, what we kept coming back to was housing. They, you know, take the women in, they stay for 28 days treat- of treatment and they come out and they go right back to the streets because they have nowhere to go. They have no financial resources. Uh, and I'm talking about the women that have no money. Yeah. So, um, so we, from those stories from the treatment centers, what we realized was that it, we were going to be, if we were really trying to stand in the gap and help where the need was, that was housing. So I'm like, okay, I know zero about housing. You know, the re- none of the rest of us knew anything about housing. So here we are again, doing, diving into something we have no knowledge about, but that's okay. So we find, um, locate two homes in Williamson County that happen to be side by side of each other. And so we, our board decided to take the risk and rent both homes, not just one, which allowed us to immediately have a 16 bed opportunity. Um, When we opened our doors, we could take, you know, up to 16 women. And so that was six years ago. We're getting ready to have our sixth, sixth birthday, April 1st. We opened on April Fool's Day. So <laughs> interesting day, but cool. <laughs> 2017, April yeah. Fool's Day. Welcome to Healing Housing. So right. healing housing is not a joke. <laughs> and this is not a joke. But I guess so healing housing was born and um we opened our doors April 1st of 2017. And um I think we've had almost 200 women come through at this point. Um, so it's been, you know, life-changing for the volunteers as well as, um, all of the women that have come through. Now we have a full staff of, um, you know, a full staff and, and I'm proud to say as I stepped away from the executive director position, the main reason I did that was because I realized that the organization, uh, needed to be led by someone that was actually in recovery Mm. and I'm not. And so we found someone to, um, be in the role of executive director who actually has been in recovery, long-term recovery. And so as of today, every single staff member is in long-term recovery. And we are absolutely thrilled to say we are able to now hire graduates, which was our dream that we would have girls graduate the program and then be able to come work with Healing Housing. And that is happening. So it's just been an amazing six years. Um, being able to so, you know, see that impact and see how they're moving and progressing. There's probably, like you said, there's probably nothing, you know, more fulfilling than that. Um, I have so many things to ask you. Um, I guess, first off, when you talked about how you hired or found the group of volunteers and you worked together for two years, my experience with volunteers can sometimes be um, challenging. That was much more in the corporate world. So I feel like, you know, maybe for those that are listening, thinking about nonprofit, how did you find those folks? Um, I assume that they got started because they believed in that mission with you. And that's why they dedicated their time. But just kind of want to hear, you know, how you kind of got the volunteer part started. So I was out of my church. I, I The first place I went when I realized I was going to need a team of people was to my church and spoke with one of the pastors, told him what was on my heart, what I was thinking I needed to do. And I said, do you have anybody that comes to your mind, any women that come to mind that you think would be interested in this sort of a project? And he said, absolutely. 
and he gave me a couple of names once I contacted them. And I mean, to a, to a person, every single person I approached said, yes, no hesitation. Wow. It was amazing. So that we met once a week for two years. I mean, this was an incredibly committed group of women. And, and keep in mind at the beginning, I looked at them and basically said, I'm not even sure what we're doing. This is just, <laughs> but they are just going to have to trust me and believe in me that we're going somewhere. But right. today I don't have that clear, crystal clear picture. I can't paint it for you today. Just trust right. me and we'll all figure this out yeah. together. And they did they trusted. And, and so I think, I think they had to probably read in me the passion that was behind that. And the, they had to trust. I mean, they had to, to trust and believe in somebody they really didn't even know. I didn't know any of these women. Right. So, I mean, it was a real lesson in trusting and just walking through down this path together. And it was not always easy. We were all very different people. Um, again, kind of coming back to the knowing who we were, each of us individually, figuring that out pretty quickly. How do we work? How are we going to work together? We all have different strengths and gifts. And you have to lead the team, not really even knowing who they are yet. So it was a it was a fascinating process and taught me a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and so what inspired you? I mean, what even gave you the thought to say, okay, I'm going to go volunteer at a women's prison? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I was adopted. And something about that, at least for me, has always, I've always had a nagging sense, guilt is really not the right word, but, you know, why did I land in the nice family? And so many people, you know, landed in families where they really never even had a chance, Yeah, which was exactly Stacey's story. She didn't even have a chance. And so I thought, you know, I can't explain that. I don't understand why that is, but I can put my hand out because I have had opportunities um, and been blessed with opportunities that, you know, a lot of people haven't had. And I can turn around and try to lift the next person over the bridge mm-hmm. to be able to see some better opportunities. And so at the prison, you have a sea of women, many of whom came from homes that were horribly broken. Um, and not to make excuses, we're all responsible for our actions and our behavior, but, um, certainly they had less of a chance to come out on their journey on the right side than I did. And so it was just a place where I felt like I could make a difference. And when I walked into the prison, the very first time, I'll never forget seeing this, you know, room, hundreds of women inmates and thinking to myself, wow, what a bunch of opportunity am I looking at? You know, I didn't see inmates and I didn't see problems. I saw what would happen if you could harness this and push it in the right direction. What could happen? And, you know, that's one person at a time. You can't, you got to work as one person at a time. So I really felt good about that one-on-one opportunity to work with somebody. And so that was, I think I was drawn by the brokenness and by the opportunity I had had. And to put myself into a situation where those opportunities were not um, available and work with that and see what might happen. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And the ability to give back, of course, 
And it, it there is also something fulfilling about wanting to work with anybody who recognizes that they want to be better, but they don't know yes. how. And so exactly. it's really driven back to what we talked about earlier, like driven from the inside out. And I think no matter what we're helping others do and how we're giving back, but knowing that these women were so interested in, in bettering their lives and that came from their deep motivation internally, it, I mean, that helping them is, there's nothing like it. Yes. Yes. Um, so thank you for all of what you've done there. Are you still involved in that at all? Yes. Oh, yes. I'm on the board and very active. I just don't run the day-to-day operations. So I want to go back to um, when we talked about you building the first product manufacturing, and that was the stationary business? Yes. Okay. Mainly a paper, mainly our products were mainly paper products. So monogrammed hand or monogrammed and products with initials on them. Mm -hmm. Love it. I have a couple of those in my desk. (laughs) Um, And so you said that there were a lot of mistakes that you made in that process, you know, starting it in the imposter syndrome that everybody talks about as a business owner, because all of us have an idea and we want to go after it because we're passionate about it, but we don't know where to begin. And so as you built that incredible business, what were maybe, let's say your top one that you could think of, what's one big mistake that you made that might help somebody else who's just starting their journey as a business owner? So I think my number one mistake was was thinking that I could do all of this myself, which is such an, you know, the typical entrepreneur brain. They're independent, fiercely independent, you know, have an idea, think they're going to carry it out. Right. And had I reached out for help a lot sooner, I think my company would have looked very differently. Much, mm-hmm. I think it would have been a much healthier company much more quickly because I would have had that sounding board and that person with experience to be bouncing ideas off of that could have at least steered me, you know, helped steer me, um, you know, in a better direction. The business owners have all the right, they have the right answers, but it's the puzzle. It's like a puzzle that they can't quite get the puzzle pieces to fit. And it's yeah. because they're sitting there trying to figure all that out by themselves, you know, right. and at back then I just, I don't know if, if help was out there and I just wasn't aware it was there or how to how to reach out and find it. Yeah. But I think there's much more, um, it's much more visible now. The help that's out there is much more visible and attainable and easily accessible. I just, back then it just didn't seem that way, especially for women business owners. Good, I will say if there is a good part of social media these days, learning where the communities are and um, who's in them and how quickly they can go viral in a locality. I mean, between Bring Trust and Tennessee Women Connect and what Tammy is doing with Sapphire Suite and Kathy with Collective, Fabi and Emma, you know, in Hendersonville with the Collective. Um, So if anybody's unfamiliar with those, please get in touch with us because we would love to help you with that. Um, And so... For those that are, I have two questions. One, (laughs) uh, let's go to the uh, hiring part that you wish you had hired sooner. I think that sometimes there is a debate on whether or not startups should have a co-founder. And so curious, I, 
I've kind of changed my view on that over the years based on the experiences that I've had. Um, so curious what you think, would you recommend someone starting a business, getting a co-founder? And it probably depends on what the business is, but let's talk small business, um, maybe talk about the types of clients you have and if, how you would advise them in that regard if they're just starting up. So that's a loaded question. <laughs> I'm uh, sure. I will. I will share with you what my attorney at the time looked at me and said, when I told him I wanted to um, bring on a partner. Mm-hmm. His first words were, do you understand? Yeah. He said, do you understand if you do that, you are married to that person. That's a marriage. And I said, you know, oh, no, I didn't really, you know, and yeah. he begins to explain what the partnership relationship is. Uh Well, it was pretty clear to me through his body language and what he was saying that he was trying to tell me, don't do it. Okay. Okay. So, and warning me in every single way he could, Mm -hmm. what a dangerous idea that is. So I would say, and, and couple that with a lot of times the partners people bring on are their friends, Mm -hmm. you know? This friend of mine, she says she wants to help me, you know, right. so, so now you're really getting dangerous because now you're mixing friendship with partnership with, so I would say if you're starting or wherever you are in that company, trying to, in the life of that company, and you're thinking you might want to either start with a partner or bring a partner on, I would say your first and most important step is find your attorney have a sit down with him by yourself. Yeah. Lay it all out and see what he says. Yep. And I would normally say taking your attorney's advice is probably what you should do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not what you want to hear. And you're not paying the attorney to tell you what you want to hear. You're paying the attorney to give you good sound advice and to tell you the truth. And their advice is coming from years and years and years of cleaning up the messes of people who do it the wrong way and make the wrong decision. Yeah. So when the attorney looks at you and tells you his advice that you're paying a good amount of money for, usually, you know, (laughs) he's coming from a place of seeing all the wreckage. Yeah. And when you're sitting there going, oh, that won't happen to me. Oh, but mine will be different. He's never know. Yeah. So that would be really well sort of an indirect way of answering you, but it's, it's, it's my answer. And that is sit down with your attorney and listen to him. Yeah. I think that, I mean, you're exactly right. And it is a loaded question and it is hard. It is something to think about because there's of course the legal side. And let's say you are thinking of bringing on a co-founder that, you know, inside now, and maybe you've worked, hopefully you've worked with them in some capacity before to know how business savvy they are or maybe they have an expertise in something that you don't. So you, you know, what you realized when you um, stepped down as executive director. Um, So the other side of that argument is having somebody to bounce the ideas off of and having somebody to make those decisions with, because being a business owner, a solopreneur is very lonely. And when you don't have someone to talk through things with, it gets very, it gets even harder and 
you know, luckily today we talked about that there are other resources and other business owners we can go to. Um, so I think that for folks that are considering whether or not to bring on a co-founder, it would, um, number one, make sure you know the person inside and out and that you've worked with them. People are always different when you get uh, into business with them. <laughs> um, and that maybe they have a complementary expertise in something that you don't. So that maybe it would be a little bit more balanced, I guess. Well, there's no question those would those are some of the advantages, but you know, the counter to that could be if you're looking for people to bounce ideas off of, go hire a coach, not a partner. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if yeah. you, you know, the uh and can you work with that person in another way? instead of hiring them on or making them a partner, what about contracting with them? Um, Some sort of other arrangement that does not legally tie you in business with them, but a a contractual arrangement where you are working together and you are sharing advice and you are, but just you you didn't legally bind yourself in in a legal partnership arrangement. So I think maybe the attorney would say, Hey, let's look at some other options for you before you take them on as a partner. Let's, let's talk about some of these other options. Yes. yes, So, so I know we don't have too much time left, but I have probably two more questions. Um, The next one is around building the businesses and being an entrepreneur, being an executive director. How did you, how was your mental health throughout all of that? You know that I'm a huge mental health advocate. Um, and I think that that's something that we don't talk about very much, as you kind of alluded to before, that we have all these thoughts going on in our head as a business owner, but we don't want to really show that to the world because we want them to think we're strong and we know what we're doing. Otherwise, we would lose credibility. But on the back end, we're a mess. And for me, I know my brain feels like scrambled eggs. <laughs> um, and there's so many highs and lows as a business owner. Yes. So just curious, you know what your mental health journey was alongside your career journey and maybe how you dealt with that or, or didn't, maybe everything was wonderful, <laughs> which I hope it would be. I think I, can, I think I know what schizophrenia feels like without having the diagnosis. diagnosis. <laughs> like, that's so, true. so true. Scrambled eggs is a great description. Um, you know, I think, um, again, another great question. And I think it's very, you know, and and then throw small children in the mix and a spouse in the mix and, you know, all of the other obligations you have many times if, or sick parents or whatever those obligations are, you're usually just not alone with no other obligations as you're running your company. You usually have a lot of outside things bearing down on you as well that have to be attended to. It's life. Yeah. It's life. Yeah. I would say, um, uh, you know, the having it all, the, what we say, oh, you know, that person has it all. They've got their business. They've got their, you know, it looks like the pretty picture on the outside. It's impossible to have it all. That's what I've learned. It's, it's a, that's a fantasy. That's a lie. We can't have it all. Everything gets 70%, 80%, nothing gets a hundred percent. It just, it's just not possible. So whether you use the word balance or whether you use the word, you know, I don't know what word to use. I know it is, it's a, it's a daily juggling act. 
And some days you win, some days you don't drop any balls and other days it feels like you drop every ball you juggled. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to learn now, this go round as I start this new consulting company is you start the day and you have your plan. And when the day ends, you simply say to yourself, I did the best I could today. Yes. And that has to be good enough. Yes. Yes. And if it, if it fell apart due to things that were out of your control, then the next day you have an opportunity to play cleanup. Yep. Yep. But you have to give yourself grace in that, um, in, in the daily grind, because so many days don't go like you planned them. And so what I've tried to do is say, okay, yesterday fell apart. Where are the opportunities in that? Yes. Yes. Finding that. Instead of looking glass half empty, how can I be glass half full and be honest, you know, don't make it up, but there had to be some opportunities that I missed yesterday that I don't, I wasn't seeing as opportunities because the day went so poorly. But this morning when I looked up, how can I look back on that and say, okay, these three good things actually did happen. They just got lost in the mess of yesterday, Yeah. but bring them into the next day and start again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think number one to that being honest with yourself and acknowledging that it's okay giving yourself grace, all of us business owners, as we're all very type A, perfection is the only option. Um, So realizing early on that you've got to be, you might make that plan every morning, but something somewhere is going to go awry and you need to just be flexible and accept early on that that's going to happen. And I know that for me, you know, you talked about what's the opportunity in that. I am still probably physically here today because the only way that I was able to turn my attitude around as I went through the highs and lows was by finding that silver lining and okay what is God trying to teach me right now with this there's a reason he gave this to me so what can I do with it and how can I learn from it and that's really what has kept me going and it took me a long time too to also accept that mistakes and failure is okay. And it's even better to have those. And so keeping that in mind as well. And then I also finally, think, yeah. no, go I ahead. finally agreeing with you on, on looking back at yesterday and saying, what are those little celebrations? I mean, that was actually one of my questions is, you know, making sure that we, and we don't do it at like ever. <laughs> so having yes. remembering to, to celebrate the little things is also, I think, what kind of brings us back and continues to motivate us. I totally agree with that. I would I would add one more thing, and that's a lesson I've had to learn the hard way. Um, you know, type A's are typically pretty quick decision makers, and we don't really sit, sit on too many fences. And um, so there's, uh, a, I don't know if it's a rule or a suggestion, but somebody told me, you know, Anytime there's a decision to be made, sit on it for 24 hours, if you can, if it doesn't have to be made, you know, quickly. So in trying to adopt that, what I'm finding is, oh my gosh, how different I feel about something once I've thought about it for 24 hours. And it's only 24 hours. It's not like I had to stop and think about it for a week. 
yeah. just 24 hours looking back. Sometimes I've completely flipped and think the exact opposite. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and so I, I believe through many of those years, making decisions, not taking a lot of time to think about them, just blowing and going. And I'm realizing now the value in that, just that short period of time, which is pause. one day, yeah. to pause and reflect before I make a decision. And man, is that working. So I think um, things look differently. Your lens the next day, well, you're not exhausted and tired when you're trying to make that decision. You've had a good night's sleep. Now you're looking at it through a different lens. And it's amazing how many decisions I make differently, having given myself that 24 hours. And sometimes I don't make a decision at all. I say, you know what? I'm going to wait. Yeah, I'm not making a decision. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that's that for a type A is very difficult. Yes. But I'm really working on it and it's, 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 it's working. Yes. Learning to respond and not just react. Yes. That's a, there's a huge difference. Well, I know that we are way over the 20 to 30 minutes that I said, so uh, (laughs) I will let you go on this beautiful Saturday. Um, Thank you so much for doing this. I always love chatting with you. And um, I think there's some really great nuggets in here that we can all take away from. So thank you so much. And uh, I'm honored to be with you. Um, you know how much I respect you. And I'm just, I'm so honored that you would have asked me to do this. So this has been great. Thank you. Well, I will be sure we'll put these on socials. We'll send a link to your coaching company called Write a New Story. Is that right? And um, yeah. And so I hope to see you soon. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Tina. Bye. Bye.